Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the first ever live Prep to Pro pod. Um, my name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Colin. Max, the, the draft's finally here. Uh, how's it going? Ben, I'm doing well. I cannot believe that we are finally here. Um, let's get into it. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah. Um, so, since, since, um, since we last recorded last week, um, there have been multiple trades involving draft picks. So l- let's talk about the implications of that a little bit. Um, so the first the first pick that's been traded is the 16th pick that was owned by Portland. Is Or sorry, that was owned by um, Portland and yes, then Houston. Then Houston, and now, now Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, uh, so that's headed to Detroit. They now have the 7th and 16th picks. So, I mean, first thing that comes to mind is that they could be well situated to jump if um yeah if someone slides like falls yeah so who would you be willing to to move both of those picks to get up for yeah i mean i think like something that you you brought up earlier you know before we start driving is if lamello somehow begins to slide um maybe outside of the top three um unexpectedly though i think that's definitely an interesting potential package of seven and 16 to go get lamello because as we've talked about on, on the podcast before, the Pistons are definitely one of the teams that could benefit most from, from adding LaMelo, is they really don't have any creation and, and any creation prospects in their organization, and LaMelo is kind of kind of key to that. Obviously, they're going to be looking at next year and the years after that for their superstar creator, but LaMelo would, would really, really help this Detroit team and infuse some life, so I think he's kind of the main one. Um, Killian as well, but I think you might be able to get Killian at seven anyways. Um, but I mean, Lamelo, I think would be a really interesting pencil trade up candidate for Detroit if he does end up sliding. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly move up for Lamelo uh, as them. I think that, that that's a spot, yeah, where you can really just let him do his thing, which is what you're going to want to be doing, right? You're going to want a heavy, heavy diet of Lamelo pick and roll, and you'll just see if he can score efficiently enough to to handle it uh, and to be that maybe approaching heliocentric type initiator yeah um i do it for lamello if necessary i would do it for killian i'm with you i think they might be able to stay put at seven and take killian 
Um, so say they do stay put at seven um, and, and come away with, we'll say Killian. Um, what do you think would be a nice a nice compliment at 16? Yeah, I mean, I think 16 is, like, as we've talked about, like, as I, as, as I keep saying, we've talked about this before, that that mid-first range is, is a really, really good one for, you know, just for teams to take advantage of kind of the way that this draft is going to fall. Is there going to be prospects like, like Tyrese Maxey would, would be an awesome one to fall, you know, a, a top six prospect for myself and Max, I think, as well. Um, landing someone like Poku at, at 16 would be really awesome value to just kind of take a punt. It would be kind of ridiculous if, you know, Killian and Poku would be kind of an awesome duo. Um, just betting on the ceiling of Poku. Um, even, like, um, yeah, I, I mean, someone like R.J. Hampton um, has a ceiling bet. Kyra Lewis, Cole, An- Cole, Cole Anthony. Maybe not maybe not Cole or Kyra as much if they're already going to take Killian. But there are going to be a lot of solid options. So I think I think my favorite one would be Poku. Um, if they were to land Killian with the seventh pick, just to kind of... I, I, I feel like both of us are, are excited or more excited about the ceiling of Killian Hayes than a lot of people seem to be. But I think the floor is definitely there as well, whereas the floor for Poku is not that is not that exciting where the ceiling certainly is so i think that would be an, a, a kind of ridiculously good compliment and would would make for like kind of turn this at least begin to turn this this pistons outlook around to where they're currently one of the bleakest um teams in terms of future outlook and, and assets so that would kind of immediately change things yeah i think a couple things that you probably want alongside killian are one a really really potent off the dribble creator um, I don't know that that's going to be available at 16. Seems unlikely. I mean, Grant Riller will be there, but he's yeah. not going to go yeah, at 16. Yeah, he's not going to go at 16. That's... He's not going to go in the first, no. in all likelihood. Um, the other thing I think you want is like a dual uh, role pop big man. Someone a lot like uh, Grant Jarrett, who uh, Killian got to play with this year. With sign Grant um, Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you could sign Grant Jarrett, I suppose. I don't know that and sign really... Arch- And sign Archie Goodwin, just because. Just, just <laughs> Just for the dunks. Yeah, just rebuild Ulm and Detroit. Yeah, and bring bring Yakovlev. Hire Yakovlev. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that there is really a great dual pop role guy because Obi is not going to be there at sixteen. That would be pretty awesome if he were. That would be a yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Duo. Again, he's, so he's not going to slide. Honestly, I think it would be more likely for, for them to land Obi at seven if he slides and get someone like Cole or, or Maxi or Kyra or RJ then. Um, if that's kind of the direction they want to go, but you're definitely not going to be able to get Killian at 16. Like he's not going to yeah. slide that far. Like, but I think drafting like two two guys who are two ball handlers, I think actually would be pretty cool. Um, if if you uh, pair Killian with someone who can kind of get his own shot, like Cole, um, or someone who who, um, I, I mean, the problem is that there aren't a lot of great advantage creators in this class but yeah but Cole especially is someone yeah. who can really just kind of get his own off the dribble shot at any time I think has a I'm, lot of appeal yeah. I'm also um, kind of so I think oh, go, go no go ahead ben. but like assuming you can't Killian I mean I'm also sympathetic to the idea of, of just taking someone like or swinging for someone like like a Josh Green or somebody who's kind of a more complimentary piece that doesn't help you right now but is someone who could potentially be really useful when you have your future pieces in place? Because, I mean, the Pistons, you know, even if they have a really successful night, are likely not going to be very good next year. And, I mean, the idea is for them to be, um, you know, in, in play to get someone like Cade or BJ Boston or somebody like that. So I think loading up on complimentary pieces could also be a kind of strong play that we've talked about in the past. 
Sure, I mean you could go for you could go for Maxi like you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. And I mean imagine that defensive backcourt. You can have you just have Maxi will take the smaller smaller guard. Uh, Killian will take the larger guard. I thought you were talking about Maxi and Cade Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and um, yeah, and Killian. Know, Killian yeah. your lead ball handler, but Maxi Maxi I think does does bring some three level scoring. Maybe not yeah. as much off the bounce as as, as you ideally like, but um, you know something. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably enough on um, that that 16th pick. Um, should, should, let's move on to the the next pick that was traded, which was 24 in that um, in the big Drew Holiday trade to New Orleans. Um, at, at the same time, we'll we'll let everyone know that uh, we are going to try to answer questions from that chat. We're following along with it, so if you drop questions in there, we will try to answer some of them for sure. Um, but let's talk about this this twenty fourth pick. So now New Orleans is in an interesting spot where they've got thirteen and twenty four, um, and they could also be situated to make a uh, a move because they've got uh, some early seconds as well. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, I mean the main two I'd be looking to trade up for is one Killian Hayes, um, kind of as well. Just just as if he slides to like seven, eight, nine range. His value there is just ridiculous as a prospect both of us have in our top two. Um, I think someone who definitely you know works next to Zion just just give 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 him another you know pick and roll handling threat who actually um, at least in the long term can can press a defense more than Lonzo Ball ever will be able to. But I think the one that I'd be really excited about is Isaac Okoro, um, because Okoro. Uh, the Pelican, I think the Pelicans, especially after losing Drew Holiday, their biggest weakness really is, or their biggest need is just wing defenders. And as we kind of talked about, Okoro is the the premier wing stopper in this class. Just ridiculous strength and lateral quickness and ability to get through screens. And he, I mean, he doesn't. He's not going to solve all of the the Pelicans' defensive problems, but I think he plugs a really big hole as their their only real. Yeah, their only real wing option, options to defend big wings were Drew Holiday and Josh Hart, and neither of those are prospects you really want checking the bigger wings in the league. So Okoro and Hayes are the two trade-up options that I'd look for um, that I think both are pretty attainable, I think, if they can move up. And though I'm generally like pretty pro-traded, I think those two, Okoro especially, honestly, would be pretty worth trading up to to me. Uh, do you see a big differentiation for the Pelicans between Okoro and Bissell? Yeah, I do actually, um, because I like we talked about. I think uh, Vassell, while I don't think he projects to be that bad of an on-ball defender in, in in the future, right now, I mean, I think right now and in the future, he's loads behind Makoro. Um, and I think the Pelicans kind of have quite a few pretty solid team defenders. Like Lonzo, is, Lonzo is a very good team defender who struggles mightily on the ball and and in screen and roll situations. I think that's kind of Zion's projection. Um, and upside in the future that, you know, he's, I don't think Zion's ever going to be a guy who is, you know, an on-ball stopper. I think his, his impact is going to come as kind of like a, you know, a, a weak side rim protection type. Well, I think Vassell is, would definitely be helpful. Um, I just think that that's like a really, really pressing need for them um, because there were just so many times where just bigger ball handlers would carve them up, um, especially, you know, because when Drew was off the floor and now Drew is no longer there and Bledsoe is an awesome defender. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that he's even a better defender than Drew Holiday, but he's certainly not better at defending up than Drew and protecting the and protecting the rim. So yeah, I mean, I think Okoro is kind of meaningfully different. That's why I think I'd also like Josh Green a lot at 13 if they stayed if they stayed in place. 
Um, just as we talked about, it, it would be a bit of a reach by my board, but because of the scarcity of, of, of real quality defensive wings in this class, especially early, I think green um, would help them a lot. So yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely um, a notable difference between Okoro and Vassell for the Pelicans. Even if I like Vassell more in a vacuum, I would definitely prefer Okoro for them. Yeah, if I'm the Pelicans, I, I really, I think I would do whatever it takes to get Killian, because it's not going to be that costly. Um, yeah, and they have so many assets that, that, that they can do it without really sacrificing, I think, their long-term asset flexibility. They, they like, could do it without sacrificing anything long-term. Yeah. They, they could do it with just um, just their picks this year, I would imagine. Um, so I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer to, to try and go get Killian. Um, he's not going to be a super ball dominant player, but he is that pick and roll handler that you're going to need. He's going to bring defensive value on and off the ball. Yeah. Um, and I think if you, if you're confident in your ability to cultivate him as an off ball player, which I don't really believe that he can't be an off, a good off ball player. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, he's not, strong. he's not that now, but he's, I don't think it's difficult or impossible to develop. Like, I mean, we can get into the issues with Killian as an off ball player and it starts, it all starts with role. So at Ulm, and really, always, Killian yeah. has been asked to be a big-time pick-and-roll creator. Um, and that's because he's really, really good at it. Uh, will he be that good at it in the in the NBA? Uh, not necessarily, not as a scorer. Um, as a playmaker out of pick-and-roll, surely he will be. But um, I, I think that it's important to remember that, like especially with Ulm, it was a your-turn-my-turn Houston-type system where you had ball handlers kind of just trading off uh, uh, playing as pick-and-roll. Um, Killian was not really asked to do that. He was either like, was not really asked to be a dynamic off-ball player. He was either uh, running pick and roll or pretty much spotting up stationary or, or trying to get the ball back court to to get the ball back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Killian has ever really had a chance to play off the ball, or he's never been asked to play off the ball. Um, that is not that shouldn't mean that that he's guaranteed to become a talented off-ball player. But with his intelligence, he has shown flashes on occasions as a, on occasion as a cutter, um, and then it's just a matter of getting his spot up to where it needs to be. He needs to become, I think, a hop shooter. Uh, his fo- his footwork is too varied at the moment. But when he does hop in to catch threes, it looks it, good. It yeah. Has looked good, um, as we talked about on our our two hour Killian extravaganza with, with our friend PD, um, who we'll see later tonight. He, yeah, there there are lots of corrections that need to be made with the shot, but. But there are things that are, are relatively easy, like hand placement, um, like having that that um, uh, self-organizational principle, the, yeah. the hop. Um, so we think that th- those are things that can certainly come along for Killian, uh, and he could evolve into quite a potent off-ball player as well as, as the on-ball yeah. player that he is already. And I think that that makes a ton of sense as the long-term guard answer there, yeah. especially with Drew now gone. And we talk about you know off-ball play being very much a skill, but just it's... It's really easy to bet on someone as smart, as young, and as you know, someone on the development curve of Killian Hayes to be able to figure out um, like how to cut at smart angles and how to relocate and space off the ball intelligently. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have any worry um, drafting Killian to project him long-term off-ball because I think long-term his projection isn't as a primary offensive creator. Um, as someone who you can who can run offense and certainly run pick and rolls, but not someone who you're running. Uh, a, a championship level offense through so yeah I mean I would absolutely love him as, as a long-term complement to Zion um, I mean Ingram as well I think though I you know I 
don't know how much he likely plays more into their future than than I really think of him. But still, like Killian would be an awesome compliment to both of those guys. I think he helps Jackson Hayes as well, giving him like a very real pick and roll threat with again another one with scoring threat because um, the Pelicans only real pick and roll playmaking threat this past season. Um, Drew is is pretty inconsistent there. Uh, was inconsistent with with his decision making, and Lonzo obviously has no scoring threat. So Killian just gives them a, a whole new dimension. So I would certainly love that. Um, we just need to get Jackson Hayes shooting threes, and then you've it's got gonna your happen. Dual it's... Role. You've got your dual role threat. <laughs> uh, oh man, that would be a, it's Jackson gonna happen. Hayes I tweeted a thing game. yesterday about Jackson Hayes. Like people, like I know some some Pelicans people um, seem to be kind of out on Jackson. After he wasn't like like he wasn't great as a rookie, but I don't think anybody was was really expecting Jackson Hayes to be that good, um, because you know he's a raw rookie, nineteen year old big man. Like there there, were, there really should have been no expectations for for Jackson Hayes, and I really do think he kind of exceeded mine in the fact that he was like way more effective as a rim protector and a pick and roll defender as the season went on. Um, he showed improvements in processing speed on the short roll out of the post. Like you said, like the touch, the free throws, all of that. Like I really do think he's going to shoot eventually. Like I, especially with the Pelicans' history and track record of, of developing jump shooting. Like I, I, I really think Jackson's going to shoot. Like I, I really hope he does because I want to be, I want to be gratified on on my Jackson standing. But I, like he's awesome, and Killian would unlock so much for him as well. So. Would be a fun duo. Um, Hilarious. Let's fun. move on to the the final. Uh, traded pick, which is the OKC now has the Lakers pick at 28. Um, and I guess we can tie it in with, with a question from, from our pal uh, Zay. Zay is asking if I'm not a big Poku fan. Um, because all the rage everywhere, uh, everyone is saying that OKC is trying to move up to get Poku. Um, and they now have a bunch of picks to do that with. Um, so my stance on, on Poku, I don't dislike him by any means. I don't really buy that he has um, sort of creation equity. I don't think that in the half court he's going to be handling pick and rolls and initiating out of there. I don't really think that his pull-up will be to that level. Uh, I think that he's not really going to have any uh, rim pressure on account of, um, you know, just how weak he is. Um, But I I think that he can still be a very valuable player um, because he, uh, you know, is, is... a potential big-time movement shooter. He's a defensive playmaker, um, and that's all at seven feet. And the fact that he adds to that some really impressive transition handling, uh, he you know could be quite valuable. I just don't really think that he has the top-end creation equity. And then on top of that, I think his possession-of-possession possession defense is not necessarily the best when you're talking about um, beyond the, the playmaker, the big-time playmaking. Some of his technical movement's not very good. He's not the most consistent with stunts and digs and and rotations. So th- those are my issues. Yeah, I th- I'll make the, the opposite case. I mean, I'm not going to make like the fully optimistic case because I just don't believe it. I g- agree with the, the fact that his lack of real half-court creation equity um, means that, um, you know, that he doesn't have the, the, the level of upside that some people seem to seem to believe that he does. I think that he does, however, present a really unique offensive skill set that I think in kind of a more broad sense could be used in really unique and unseen way. I mean, we haven't really seen um, a six, you know, a true seven foot, um, true seven foot wing offensively effectively who I, I'm probably a little higher on the efficiency potential than you are. I'm just 
uh, a really big fan of you know his shooting projection with his volume and the versatility at his age and really makes makes me confident in his future shot. Though I do think the pull up is is not going to be as great as um, you know as the the off movement jumper. But just as as someone who can take advantage of his off movement gravity to um, to uh, make plays uh, with his elite passing. Um, and handle you know, handle a little bit of secondary pick and rolls coming off of pin downs and, and things like that. I do worry that um, if he doesn't add strength, which certainly I think he can and he needs to. If he if he doesn't add strength, you can kind of just like put like a six foot five wing on him and and really hurt him because he's not going to be able to, to go through or or over um, those defenders as effectively. But I think there's a potential for a really unique offensive package and defensively, just with you know with his incredible playmaking instincts. Um, and age and size, I think there's a good argument for for him figuring out the the technical defensive issues as he matures and grows. So I think, well, I definitely don't think he's like your number one option or anything, or someone who's creating offense heavily. I do think on on a good team, especially, and I think he'd actually make for a very interesting and kind of fun pairing with Shea long term. Um, I just I just kind of like. Uh, you know, it's someone who can really generate good offense, and especially if you know if it gets to the point where you have to have bigs guarding Poku. Um, if you, I mean, like the best ways to attack like the the, the foot speed of, of of slower bigs is to force them to change directions from the perimeter, even better than straight isolations and switches. So if you could have like true bigs trying to chase Poku around screens and and take advantage of that, I think he could be really really effective. So I just like. I, even like me having this high as I do, I mean, like, like the, the board says, my third best, you know, wing in quote. Um, just he's a, he's a wing because he's not a big, um, more of like a forward. Yeah, we should we should probably yeah. address that. Yeah, I, I I think we'll do that after this, but just yeah, I mean, just someone who I think could be you know, the ceiling is really high and potentially ways are missing. But yeah, um, we we should talk about the positions real quickly. Um, just just yeah, so... those. Poku, I, I mean, I think in certain matchups, Explorers, he can play the five. I don't think that as a full-time thing, Poku can play the five. Just because if he's your primary rim protector, guys are, like, NBA guards will drop a shoulder into his chest, and he will be bumped into the stanchion, yeah. and they'll be finishing. It's like he's going like, to get switched onto Jalen Brunson and get absolutely destroyed <laughs> on, like, a turnaround when he gets... I mean, Jalen Brunson he's gonna get, would, would... Yeah. He's going to get shoulder-checked into the third row and then turn around and hit a floater. Like, and like obviously Brunson's a unique a unique player, but like that I mean that's the strength is a huge worry as, as a primary protector, like you know like you're trying to say. Yeah, like it, it's truly a situation where where NBA guards will totally outmatch him from a strength perspective. Um, and I and I yeah I worry a little bit about um, just his consistency and engagement if he is your primary rim protector but swooping in from the weak side where you get the most out of his mobility you get the most out of his instincts uh that's where he's at his best that's yeah where he's yeah i think if you can pair him with like a really uh, with like even like like we talk about how like a big issue with obi is just like who do you pair him with defensively to cover for his first inabilities but i i, I think poku um definitely has kind of a similar issue but you can definitely cover for a lot of his deficiencies with uh, a pretty good defensive center i think um, because Poku is obviously, you know, not nearly as limited as Obi in terms of mobility and, and, and instincts and things. But I saw, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think, especially as he gains strength and kind of grows into his body, as you have, um, you know, as you have him develop, there's definitely a big that you can, that you can pair with him to, I think, maximize his defensive ability kind of early. I mean, so I guess along those lines, what are some, what are some fits that you 
do like for Poku. Yeah, I mean, I think Poku kind of sliding um, does well for him um, at this point, just because, you know, as he kind of talks about, the, the teams in the mid-late lottery um, are always going to have better, you know, just better infrastructures. I, I, I think the one that comes to mind first and foremost is Miami, who would just be an incredible fit. Um, well, first of all, just a, a team I trust uh, very much to develop him in terms of strength and conditioning, um, and get him, you know, kind of get him equipped to, to play NBA defense and be able to handle more size. But then, you know, a team that's willing, I think would be willing to use him creatively on offense, obviously has, has Bam Adebayo is probably one of the best ideal, you know, ideal defensive partners for Poku as someone who has the switchability to kind of cover for his, Oh my you know, God. Could you imagine the Bam, uh, Poku, Bam Poku Bam DHO? Yeah, the Bam uh, Duncan Robinson uh, two man game, but Poku. With Poku. Oh my God! Like that's like, yeah. I mean, imagine like Duncan Robinson if he was less good of a shooter, but was also seven feet and could pass like a and, and could pass like a really that God. And and was a totally deranged person who's yeah. the greatest thing to ever happen. To <laughs> I mean, he might be. That would be that would be certainly an incredible fit. That that's definitely. I think I think Dallas would also be really fun. Um, playing, I think again because uh, Porzingis as you know, I think one of the better rim protectors in the league is a really nice cover for him at the moment defensively. And I'm just you know with their spacing on offense, you know, Luca creating space for him and creating advantages for him to attack into space and closeouts and secondary pick and rolls. That would be a totally unbelievable offensive offensive duo like in the long term I think so those are two fits in the late you know late teens which I think he could definitely go earlier than that but man that would be that would be kind of a that would, that would be ridiculous yeah anywhere where they're gonna really let him loose as as a bomber off screens um and where the where the where, the, where they will push the pace as well would be a lot of fun um Oh man, could you could you imagine him in like Dallas? Yeah, that would be totally ridiculous. Like, oh my god, that would be really just absurd. imagine Poku Luca picking pops like, like running like twirl with Poku and, and Porzingis. Like, <laughs> oh my god, like yeah, you can you can get into some fun stuff with that. Yeah, um, yeah. Now I want Poku to Dallas. All right, let's let's um, we're rooting officially for Poku to Dallas. Yeah, I've like I remember because. In like a mock I did just like for fun with like a what I would do mock, um, like I had Obi going to Dallas as like a fun offensive fit, and people were like no Obi, but like imagine. Oh, that would be fun though. That would be so much fun. Okay, like I, I was trying to think like he'd be a perfect complement big man to to Poku because like not to, not to Poku excuse me to Luca because it gives you you know your versatile lob short roll pop threat like I mean, and I think yeah. like Porzingis is you know probably as good as. Um, almost any other big in the league at covering for him. Obviously, not going to be able to get him, I think. But that would be like that's one place where I'd be very excited about um, about Obi going. Yeah, Poku Poku KP double drag with Luca. <laughs> uh, or sorry, Obi Obi rather Obi Obi uh, Obi rolls KP and, pops and, and KP pops to thirty five. Oh my um, god! It'd be yeah, totally um, unbelievable. That that's if, an idyllic fit. Um, if only Obi were going where we thought. I think, yeah, but, I, yeah, I mean, ah, man, that would be kind of incredible. 
I think, yeah, I mean, we talk about, like, a lot of these later teams. There's, someone's going to fall, like, if somebody like Maxi fell to the Mavs or, like, the Sixers or, like, the Heat, that would be ridiculous. Like, there's going to be some really, some really great, I, I think there's going to be some, some questionable and interesting picks toward the top, but there's going to be some really, really good picks, I think, later in this draft towards the middle and late first round. Well, I think some of these guards that we think should go in that late first area are going to fall well into the second. It's just gonna, it's going to happen, um, just yeah. by virtue of, of the, the guard so depth in this class. Guards. Yeah, yeah. So there are going to be some really great values there. I mean, it's the sort of thing we talked about when we were ranking the best plays in the class. Um, that you know, once you get past, in in my opinion, Malachi in the late first range. Um, you really kind of just going to wait for whichever of Nico, Terry, Dawson, uh, Teo Maladon, Jones, right? even, I mean, Grant Riller is even going to be in that group. Yeah. One of those guys, at the very least, is going to be there at 45 or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the guard depth throughout the class is, is really incredible. I mean, not just in that range, but like in like the, in the mid-teens with Kyra and Hampton and, and Cole and Maxi, and obviously early with LaMelo and Killian and Edwards. But... You know that that's man. Like t- guard needy teams, I think are gonna smart guard needy teams are gonna have a chance to wait and, and get some real real values. Potentially just waiting or even in a trade down. I think if there's a prospect they particularly like that, I think they're gonna fall as well. Yeah. Um. Let, let's talk about now some some potential. I guess big storylines or turning points in the draft. Um. I mean, number one, we we don't know who's gonna go number one yet. Uh, and so that I like I I think we could maybe see a Lamelo slide if he doesn't go one. It wouldn't it wouldn't stun me. And at that point, you know, with so many teams that want to trade back, it seems there's going to be a real value in trading up for a tier one player. Um, it would be pretty funny. I mean, we could see uh, both of your tier one guys falling in Killian and Lamelo, and two of my three really 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 falling outside. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. I think the Wolves. I think signs point towards the Wolves taking Lamelo if they don't trade the pick, which I don't. It seems like they probably won't at this point if they hadn't already. Um, but I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't seem like the Warriors. I, I, I mean, I don't know. With with the Clay Thompson news, maybe that changes how the Warriors are thinking now. Um, not really sure about that. That would be short notice. Yeah. To be changing. Yeah, I mean. Track plans on. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Maybe they, you know, they're considering Mellow or Ant more heavily now because of that. But I don't think um, that's really something, you know, that we can know. But yeah, but I'm I'm, fascinated. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Phoenix at ten. Yeah, I yeah, I really hope. um, Selfishly, I want Maxi or Vassell there so I can get one of the New Jerseys. Uh, but th- they're going to have a chance to get someone really good, and they're probably going to And I don't know. So I think, um, especially with Chris Paul now there, um, how do you think that affects like the like them targeting like the glut of guards? Like Cairo was so often linked to them. You know, we've thought highly of like Cole and Maxi going to Phoenix. So what are your thoughts on, on those fits now? Um, I would still... If I were them, take take the guy I like best long term with Booker and Aiden. Um, so if that's Killian, which I think it should be, they should they should just take Killian. Um, I was I was always very into the idea of them taking Patrick Williams, but that's it seems like that ship has kind of sailed with his stock rising. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sky. Yeah, that's kind of a shame. I I like that a lot. Of, I mean, I think Poku makes a lot of sense there. I I, I would I still really would like to see Killian. 
I don't think that they're going to invest that much in another guard at this point. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the 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 really fun one is the sell, right? Oh like, yeah. Get get two McHale's. Imagine you having two that. McHale's. You have, two you have on ball from... offense McHale, and you have and you have off ball offense McHale. Like it's perfect. Like it it's truly yeah. would be like talk about. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we talk about, obviously, I think it works with, with, with CP3, but long-term talking about insulating Devin Booker with defenders, like, Mikhail uh, and Vassell is about as good of a wing defensive duo as it gets. I mean, you don't have, like, a real pure stopper, but I don't think that's a, as huge of a deal when you have two team defenders as incredible as those two, and really just kind of exceptional. That that would be so, so good. I mean... Yeah, I mean, that would be, the like, the best wing... Team D duo ever. In the entire league. Not, not ever. But <laughs> I don't know about ever. But it would be really good. Yeah, they have the best team defender ever in Mikhail Bridges. So, I mean, I don't know if that does it for them. but. Um, so, just as a reminder, we're going to try to answer questions. So, if you if you drop questions in that in that chat box, uh, we'll try to get to some of them. Yeah. Um, Woj just tweeted, the Timberwolves remain on the phones discussing possible trade scenarios for the number one overall pick. Um, so Taking it down to the wire. Um, again, yeah. still waiting on a potential trade. I don't know. It, it, seemed, it seems very late for a trade. I mean, I guess it could happen at it this does. point. But like this, yeah. like generally you don't see number one pick trades or really high pick trades this this late. Um, like when the war, I mean, it is, it is 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. The the, the 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 wolves are about to be are, are on the clock so the, the clock is literally ticking for them to, to make this decision i mean yeah it would be odd to to trade one while you're on the clock seeing as you're essentially i, I mean the, the wolves have been on the clock for months yeah um i mean obviously deadlines naturally motivate people to do things but um it would be a little odd for sure um yeah it would I, be I, quite yeah it would be really i mean if they can get a really good deal like if a team like maybe like chicago like is really clamoring to, to jump up to one like see, like rumors have been saying like they do it i guess see, i don't i don't even think they need a good deal to be honest because like when we when we did our big uh timberwolves pod or pods um we we said that i mean i i went down to a tier one b guy for me and said that i would i think i would take a coro uh, I think you said Vassell. Yeah. I can't. I I think PD might have said. Yeah, Vassell PD also well. said Vassell. Yeah. So at that point, if you if you really don't think that in the short term, in in the town's window, that one of Labello or Ant, which is realistically who it is for them, if you don't think that one of those guys is going to move you toward closer to to winning a championship by securing the future with Carl Anthony Towns, and you do think that Okoro can do that, um, or you do think that that Vassell can, or or, or Denny Avdia. Uh, trade back kind of for whatever whatever you can get. It might not be a lot. It might be a future protected first. It might be some kind of middling-ish player. Um, I think that's probably worth it, honestly. Yeah, just, yeah I think it, so as well. I mean, I just... Like yes, the number one pick is is definitely devalued this year, especially for the Wolves. But you don't want to trade down. You don't you don't want to do it for too little. I think. I mean, for for any, I'm I'm kind of I mean, not for a second round pick, but. Especially also to to get out of that number one pick money. contract. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. That contract is enormous. If you can get down to four or five, yeah, um, absolutely. That's, that's still, yeah, that's a significant difference, no doubt. 
Yeah. I mean, so, if the Bulls like offer like Wendell in four, like you have to, I feel like you have to take that, right? Oh, I mean, when yeah, yeah, Wendell I mean, in four, yeah, I mean, you have to take that. I mean, even like something a little worse than that, I can, I can definitely see being being worth it. Because at four, I think you're definitely gonna have a chance to get Killian. Definitely have a chance to get a Coral, like likely a Coral, almost like certainly Vassell. Um, and if you know, maybe Denny, uh, likely Denny, I think at that point too, because yeah, I, I mean, that, in, in that case, you can probably get someone who really helps you now. If, if that's what the Wolves are looking for. And it, it cert- certainly seems like the Wolves are committed to building around D'Angelo and and Carl Anthony Towns at this point. So if they're, if like we talked about, if they're really trying to accelerate that timeline, then picking number one is is a tough predicament for them. Like, it, it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's not the blessing that uh, they, they, jumping to one was for the Pelicans last year. That's certainly not. Uh, and and not, not certainly got got sandwiched in between... Quite a few incredible number one years. Um, yeah, man. Could you imagine being the team that, that has to take, like, Ant Edwards number one? Instead of Zion and Cade? Oh, my God. Yeah, that <laughs> that's pretty brutal. That is... Um, that's, that's totally a- brutal. I mean, that I mean that would be... I mean, and, like, I don't know, like, like someone like, like A.J. Griffin or, or Paolo the year after, um, like... Just ridiculous. Uh, we do we do have a report. We have John Krasinski, who is a, a very reliable uh, Timberwolves reporter, saying that barring a trade, Anthony Edwards uh, is expected to be the number one overall pick. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I mean, I understand the pick. Certainly, like it certainly makes sense. I think, um, but as we talked about, presents quite a few problems um, in the short term, which is kind of what we think the Wolves are looking at. First, first and foremost. Defensively, not only the backcourt duo of, of, of Russell and Edwards, but just that, that trio um, of Ants and D'Angelo and Towns defensively is a disaster. I do think that Ant, it, it would be pretty good for Ant right now offensively, as I think he kind of should be learning how to play more off the ball and specialize off the ball to hopefully rein in his decision-making and see how much you can change his approach and his mentality. Because I, I do think Ant could be a really good off-ball player because he's an incredible cutter with you know his powerful, explosive first step and his vertical explosion. You know I, I think he should be a pretty good spot-up shooter. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, offensively, I, I like it in the short term and the long term, I think. Um, it, it, again, it's just, it's just difficult because I don't think, I don't, I don't know how much Ant really helps you win at this point. Um, and I mean, maybe the Wolves are patient and willing to take their time, but if, if they're not, then I, I'm skeptical of how much Ant helps you, but certainly gives you the long-term upside that you're looking for at number one, even if I'm not as high on him as, as you are. So. Yeah, I just really worry about what it locks you into in the short term. Um, if you've got two years, we'll say, to, to ensure that Cat is going to stay, um, what is Ant over the next two years? What does he bring to your team? Um, I think some self-creation ability. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think he can be a good off-ball player as long as if he speeds up his decision-making, especially off the ball. Like, if he shoots off the catch instead of insisting on putting the ball on the floor, if he, you know, makes quick decisions when he's when he's coming off curls, and if you get him in situations where he's forced to go downhill uh, and make use of his explosion and his uh, balance and his strength through contact and his ambidextrous finishing... Um, and his contortion ability that that's pretty unreal for a guy who's 6'5 and 230. Um, if, if you can make use of those things that offensively, maybe it works to some extent, but I worry so much about the defense. Um, yeah. I, I think this is probably a common misconception that in the, in the short term, 
Uh, and I think long-term Lamelo is a bit yeah, currently. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. He he just is. I mean, Ant is such a harmful and frankly disastrous defender on and off the ball. On occasion, he will try in isolation, and it's really just in isolation. I guess that there's the very occasional uh, fight through a screen or, or avoid a screen, but yeah, really, it's in isolation. On occasion, he'll decide yeah. to really just wall a guy off and bu- really bully them. And, and he like, had like one or two good like weak side rotations all season. Yeah, like that's but for the most problem. part it's just baffling baffling on and off ball gambles it's missing rotations it's low off. effort it's, space spacing out like it's it's really really bad and like um, the wolves like really just in the short term especially cannot afford another defensive sieve on that roster <laughs> like ant obviously helps you offensively but they're not going to be good enough offensively to be able to compensate for the defensive value they bleed. I mean, like, D'Angelo and Talons was already a damaging enough pick-and-roll duo to attack, but not having Ant, like, like asking Ant to, to tag those pick-and-rolls and, and make stunts and digs and things that he's very much not comfortable doing right now and might never be comfortable doing, you know, and, and for a long time. Jams. There it is yep. Shams. Minnesota is selecting Anthony Edwards with the number one overall pick in the draft. There it is. So Ant, as we've been talking to, goes number one. Um, the beginning of the Lamelo slide, I, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, as we've been talking about, um, kind of maybe speaks to some sort of prioritization of the long term, or, or more than we think, um, because like we talked about, Ant in the short term um, is really problematic. I have a hard time seeing this team making the. I, I think this team is almost certainly not going to make the playoffs next year, just given how strong the West is and how strong the West is getting. And um, this is just an untenable defensive unit. Um, for the defense, but I mean, I mean, on the bright side, Edwards does present one of the highest long-term upsides in the class. As you know, as a shot creator and as a scorer, as a, a score, I think the, the scoring upside for him is certainly higher than D'Angelo's. I mean, considerably higher. Um, so, I mean, in the in the future, I think it's going to take time, and just the question is, can they afford to take that time? If if they do take time, and if they do, if they're willing to take the time to work with Edwards, I think this pick could definitely reap. So I don't hate the pick. Um, so, I mean, I definitely understand it. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think we should, we should get into some of the merits of, of Edwards because he is, he is a good prospect for me. He is still a tier one prospect uh, for you. He's a tier two prospect. Um, the merits of Anthony Edwards. He is a marvelous athlete. He is incredibly, incredibly explosive downhill. He has vertical athleticism. He has tremendous balance. He has contortion. He has elite strength. Um, and then he is highly skilled as well. He can pass and finish with both hands. He has some craft finishes. He has um, some advanced dribble moves. Uh, and there are flaws there. He doesn't have the best ball control. Um, but but he, as a, a, as a self-creator, is the most diverse in the entire draft, with, I think, without a doubt. Um, he has he has tremendous physical tools and skills um, that make him enticing. And even on the defensive end, when he do, on the very very rare occasion that he does try, he moves incredibly well laterally. He's a bully. He's incredibly strong. He has tremendous length. Uh, he really just embarrasses guys on the rare occasions he decides to try. So can you envision a world in which Anthony Edwards locks in and is a like one to two and a half stopper on defense 
I think that's possible. I think I think it's definitely possible. It's not likely. Um, and then on the offensive end, you know, if if he fixes his approach and becomes, you know, a guy who is actually willing to get downhill at the rate that he needs to, if he is in, in fact induced to do that by by the offensive scheme that he's in, uh, then he can be quite a powerful rim presence. And then he's got these these self created jumpers as well, while also being an accomplished transition passer, uh, obviously an above the rim transition player. Um, so there is a lot to like there. I just worry a lot about the window with with getting Towns to to be all right staying in Minnesota, um, and and just how long it's going to take for that version of Anthony Edwards to be realized. Yeah, I do think that like like we talked about that that version is very real, and I mean he he has flat the, the highs of Anthony Edwards are as high as anyone in the class. Um, but just the question is, one, like, how long does it take to extract that highs? And as we kind of talked about on our Wolves pod, it, are the Wolves going to have the offensive system in place to extract that? Are they going to institute actions and a role for Edwards where they can reduce his decision-making burden in the short term, um, allowing him to do more, you know, off-the-catch attacking, more cutting, you know, while, you know, they, they hopefully work on his mentality, get him to, to go to the rim more, improve his handle. I think his handle is problematic, but... I think it's certainly, you know, he, he doesn't need an incredible handle to, to get to the rim all the time because of his powerful first step. So I I think that this this pick is going to take a lot of careful adjustment um, and, and, and careful team building and careful offensive and defensive construction to, to really make work. And I'm definitely interested to see what Minnesota does the rest of the night with the whether it's trades or the, the 17th pick because there's definitely going to be... Um, some 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 solid values there, um, but I mean I mean it does make some sense absolutely I mean as, as a really good long term bet. Thinking about what they need to address at seventeen now, I think they they need team defense around these guys badly. Yeah. Uh, if Josh Green if, fell, I mean yeah, so, I think that's an option I really like for them. Um, yeah, I think if if Josh Green is there, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, someone like Poku yeah, make a lot of absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, there's it, not a lot of great team defenders, especially on the wing in this class. Like, especially not as you leave the top of the draft, which is, you know, why they're scarce and why they're valuable. Um, maybe like someone like Isaiah Joe is an awesome team defender. One, he's not going to go that high, and two, he also has presents similar short term, you know, concerns. It's just, it's going to be difficult. We have, ben, we have, we have another yeah. pick. Uh, Golden State is selecting James Wiseman. Wow. So I think this one, you know, the Warriors kind of. Put it out there for everyone. Um, Wiseman um, se- seems like this is a sign that the Warriors kind of want to prioritize some sort of short term. I mean, it, it makes sense with with who they're getting back and who they have. Um, the idea that that Wiseman is you know a, a capable pick and roll big, someone who's going to really excel in transition, um, running with you know Draymond and Steph, um, just an incredible open floor athlete. Um, you know, with his, with his speed in the open floor and size at seven one seven six wingspan, uh, and then on defense, someone. Oh, you know, I, I I suppose the Warriors, um, you know, I, you would think for him to succeed, you know, you, you park him in a drop, you station him at the rim, um, and you hope he can just kind of deter shots to the sides. But as we'll get into, um, this is definitely not a pick that I'm a fan of. Um, Max and I both have Wiseman considerably lower on, on our boards. 
um, both in like the mid-teens range. Um, this is this is def- this is definitely one that's not surprising, but one that could definitely be be somewhat problematic. Um, primarily because I think I've described Wiseman as a floor raiser rather than a ceiling raiser, and when it comes to big man, I think the I think the Warriors really need to be looking for a ceiling raiser, someone who you know is a versatile pick and roll pick and roll defender, someone who makes great decisions, um, someone who can space the floor a little bit. So I'm just concerned about how much about how much Wiseman helps someone helps a team that's looking to probably compete for a title. Yeah. Oh, and um, we have Shams and, and Woj Shams. both. Charlotte, yeah, Lamelo to playing. Charlotte. Yeah, well, let's stick with with talking Wiseman for a little bit, and then yeah. we'll get to Lamelo. Um, but uh, yeah, so Wiseman, you know, the getting to the I think the unfixable issues in in his defense um, is that he doesn't have short area quickness. He can't flip his hips like that. Um, it's just it's not very fast. Uh, and then I think maybe more fixable is that he doesn't have a great feel for playing pick-and-roll defense, that he doesn't understand positioning, he doesn't understand when to recover. Uh, it's just it's a dance that you have to really negotiate carefully in a drop, and he can't do it. But I think that certainly at Memphis, there was confusion in those three games. He was asked to do a lot of different coverages, and um, he's not going to be asked to do that in the, in, the, in the NBA. I think he's going to be strictly put in a drop. He's not going to get confused about what he should be doing there won't be these ugly possessions where it's unclear if he's supposed to be hedging something or playing soft or or switching and he, he seems to just be entirely clueless um you know that's that's not going to be what he's asked to do in the nba uh he's just going to be asked to be a drop defender and he can be good there uh not not great i don't i don't think definitely not as good as someone like onyeka kongwu uh but just with his with his ridiculous size I think he'll be able to corral ball handlers some and play the lob for sure. Uh, and, th- and that can be a pretty valuable player. Uh, and then offensively, he should be a good role man. He uh, sets screens better than any non-Onyeka freshman big in this draft. Uh, he's enormous. He's got a crazy catch radius. He runs the floor super hard. Um, he is a total blur in transition. He, in early offense, will just get, will get seals and easy duckins. Uh, and those will be easy points, um, but the the problem is how valuable is is you know a role man like that who's kind of constrained by situation. You know, late in games, I don't know that that um, that Wiseman is going to be playable. That's that's why he finds himself in my tier of prohibitively flawed but valuable complementary talents. Um, I'm just yeah, I'm just concerned that he's that he's not going to be playable in those situations. Um, yeah, and one more. And a, oh, no. no, it's just that's kind of rough to take it to at two overall, um, and it's just like the, the value of it. Also, you can get a pick and roll big man on the market. Yeah, that's what I was gonna um, say. Yeah, it, you you can't get Lamelo Ball as a free agent. Uh, there there aren't many of those guys. Yeah, but I yeah I mean even if you can't get someone with you know the the ceiling even like with Wiseman's ceiling being limited you get someone as good as him or as talented as him you can certainly get someone to fill his role um i think the the narrative that like centers don't matter at all and are totally interchangeable isn't true but they're certainly a lot more common especially ones that are you know kind of plug and playish than you know than a really effective uh you know orchestrating guard or uh, or or a wing so yeah i mean it's just a tough value um, very, very questionable to me. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm skeptical. You know, I, 
I think there's a chance he's definitely a pretty good regular season big man down the line, but especially in a year where the Warriors are going to be looking to compete, uh, I certainly worry that um, he, he's not going to be able to do you know what they need him to do at the moment. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Prep to Pro NBA Draft podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas, listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. The Lawn Mower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Yeah, should we move on to the third overall pick? LaMelo yes. Ball? LaMelo Ball to the Hornets. That's very, very fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a wide open spot where long term they have they have PJ Washington and they don't really have their creator. Uh, I don't think Devonte is, is quite that guy uh, on a on a great team. Yeah. So they they have um, they have Lamelo Ball now. Uh, your top ranked player, second on my board, uh, tier tier one on on both of our boards. Um, ben, what makes Lamelo Ball such a special player? He's really, really unique in that he, I mean, just being a six foot seven, you know, 18, now 19 year old point guard who is one of the best passers in the world at his height and regardless of his height, um, just special creativity um, and ambition with his, you know, with his passes, manipulation, anticipation with, with both hands. His, he hits he hits passes at funk super funky unique passing angles especially on you know pick and rolls and pick and pops you know with over, with over the head behind the back passes you know he, he he throws full court post entries it's really a package a passing package unlike many we've ever seen and he combines that with with an incredibly elite handle that unlocks it where I, the burst is, is a bit of an issue as, as we'll get to that but Lamelo is able to get to spots in ways that few other players in this class really can with his elite ball handling control. Um, you know th- that those two things are, are just traits that you can't teach and can't find and are incredibly valuable. Um, th- there are definitely concerns offensively. Um, how good is the shooting efficiency going to be? I'm not as concerned as Max, I think, and definitely not as concerned as other people are um, about his shot. I think it's going to be good enough given his role. But the real concern is his frame and his strength and his ability to finish. Um, I, I do think his floater is super bankable and super legit and is going to add uh, be a real weapon for him as a scorer with his intermediate game. Um, but yeah, I mean, offensively, real incredibly rare skills. And as we kind of alluded at a little bit earlier, I, I do think LaMelo is a pretty good prospect as, yes, right now he's a, a very poor defender, no doubt. 
but he's very young, very tall, um, long, pretty soft, pretty lateral quick, and just a basketball genius who kind of, you know, most of his really good plays off the ball this year were gambles, but he makes something very impressive team defense reads and just, just flashes in general. And I think he did improve as the year went on, um, has a long way to go technically, um, you know, with his footwork, with his awareness, with his communication. And he's probably never going to be that great at the point of attack. That, that, that That's never going to be where he derives the majority of his value from. But as a team defender, he can certainly be a plus, I think, just because of his size and his intelligence. So, I mean, for the Hornets, uh, I think it's a perfect context for LaMelo. As we talked about LaMelo needing a system where he's allowed to have the freedom to run a bunch of pick and rolls and make plays and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And the Hornets are that place. There's, there's really nowhere... There's absolutely nobody really to challenge him there, uh, as you know. Devonte Graham, I think, is long, you know, fits really well as an off-ball shooter next to him. Um, P.J. Washington is a versatile big man complement. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love the fit. I think it's really positive for for Lamelo's development. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I yeah, I'm worried a little bit about Melo self-creating for himself efficiently. Just you know, we'll see how his how his core strength develops, how his balance develops. Will that allow him to be a more viable finisher at the rim? Uh, will that allow him to to get to the level of of pull up shooter that he needs to be? Uh, that remains to be determined. Um, but yeah, just a brilliant basketball intellect. He throws passes that have never been thrown before in the history of basketball, and he unlocks those deliveries through yeah his creativity but also by being 6'7", uh, as an initiator, he is a very unique player. There are, there are flaws, certainly in his, in his ability to, to finish plays as a scorer, but that creativity and that genius is unique. Um, defensively, it's possible that he's on a tremendous uh, development arc there. He you know, had never played organized defense, essentially, until his time in the NBL, and... He was not a good defender in the NBL, but he was an inconsistent one, and I think that that's actually a positive for him because he made a lot of high-end plays in addition to a lot of very, very low-end plays and, and low-effort plays, and, and surely some of his, his great rotations were a product of being poorly positioned in the first place, um, and he makes bad gambles, but there are instincts there, and he's 6'7", and, and uses his length well. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good combination. So, the the fact that he is not totally clueless and that on occasion there's some effort there definitely gives me some optimism. Uh, though it's not extreme optimism. I'm not. I'm by no means uh, certain that that he uh, you know is going to be a, a great initiator. Um, but. He's a good prospect. He's a very good prospect. He's someone worth handing the keys over to to see what he can do. Uh, and and if he doesn't reach a level where he can self-create, um, I think that there are some interesting outcomes for him as a linking type guy, as a better version of what Halliburton Yeah, and I think he's also an important point. Like LaMelo, I think, at this point, certainly isn't going to win you enough games to, to take you out of the, the Cade sweepstakes next year. I mean, he, LaMelo's development, I think, is inherently linked to lots of mistakes and lots of kind of, you know, bad, lots of bad plays and lots of low moments, but that's, that's just part of the, part of the ride with LaMelo, I think. And I, again, like the, the, 
the Hornets are going to be in a great spot to land, you know, someone like Cade Cunningham or B.J. Boston or Jonathan Kuminga next year, or, you know, if they land a little lower. Um, oh, wow, we have, we have the Bulls pick, and the Bulls take Patrick Williams with the fourth pick. Um, so the Pat Will, the Pat Will hype, the Pat Will stock rise was real. Um, Patrick Williams, number four to the Bulls. That's pretty unbelievable. That's unbelievable considering where he was even like a couple months ago. Like we've been touting Pat Will as like a lottery level prospect since since like January or even before that. Um, but he he's risen way out of even I think both of our ranges. Um, so Patrick Williams to the Bulls at four max. What do you think? Um, I think that it depends what they're planning to do with, um, with their big man position going forward. Uh, and we have our first guest of the evening. Uh, we have, uh, of SB Nation, the wonderful Ricky O'Donnell is here to talk bowls. Um, Ricky, what are your thoughts on the big Patrick Williams pick? Did that happen? I haven't even seen that news come Yes, the Bulls yes. have selected Patrick Williams at number four. Interesting. So I guess in a vacuum, I would feel like that's a bit of a reach, uh, especially on my board. I would have him, you know, more around number 10. But I think for the Bulls, it, it says a few things. First of all, the Bulls have a new front office, right? Garpax finally got fired or pushed aside for the Bulls. Arturis Karnaschovas is in. Mark Eversley is their new GM. So I don't think the new front office is going to be beholden to the young core that Garpax built. So that's kind of the first thing I think with Patrick Williams. They're viewing him more as like a long-term option and not someone who's going to try to slot in alongside Lowry Markin and Wendell Carter. I would not be surprised if this roster gets totally turned over within the next, you know, year or 18 months. Uh, and I feel like this pick is a bit of an indication on that. Now, I like Williams as a long-term fit uh, in a sense. I think that he could provide some good rim protection at the four. I like his spot-up shooting ability. I think he's got a little bit of pull-up game. Uh, but, you know, I wish he was quicker. I think that's the main thing with him, that he could really be more of an impact defensive player if he was really quick. And I don't view him as a volume scoring option, really, even for all the talk of his upside. So uh, usually when you have a top five pick, you want a guy who is a, you know has volume scoring potential. I don't really see that being his game. I'm curious what you guys think about his long-term projection. Uh, but I do think he can be a winning player in the right system as long as they put uh, pieces that complement his game around him. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. my big world. I, I was just going to say that I think it is interesting if they're planning on keeping Lowry in particular around because that represents a very interesting front court to me where Lowry has maybe a bit more mobility and and is a more dynamic uh, shooter and, and scorer and that Pat, I think, does have the heft to actually play minutes at the five. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that notably is that with his skill as an interior help defender, um, that he doesn't have the pitfalls that the typical small ball five does. You know, when, when Pat rotates over and goes up vertically at the rim, guys are not going to finish through him because yeah. he's a house. Like, he's not going to have that problem. And then meanwhile, offensively, of course, he has he has a spot-up game. He can attack closeouts. But I think that he does have the vertical explosion and on-the-move passing that he's going to... Um, to work in that sort of a role so that's a kind of weirdo front court that i think makes a lot of sense and would be pretty cool uh but you know remains to be seen how committed they are to, to lowry there yeah i mean the interesting thing point for me is um as as patrick williams continues to rise um i have a little worry about his development 
and you know what is he going to be asked to do? Because I mean, like we talked about, the rim protection as 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 a four is is really really high level, and I think that that kind of exists wherever he goes. But the issue is, he is I think fundamentally one. He's fundamentally not a wing defender, and I worry that you know hopefully the Bulls don't view him as you know a wing switchable defender because that's I think his biggest real material weakness is he just his hips and his you know. His ability to change directions um, while moving laterally is really weak. So if he's asked to defend the perimeter uh, pretty consistently, it's going to be a struggle. And then offensively, if he's asked to you know handle you know do more ball handling and more you know have more of an offensive weight or offensive role than he is than he's capable of, then I could definitely see his development maybe stunting a little bit because he is fundamentally complementary four, but I think could be a really really good one because of his shooting and his you know his couple dribble pull up shooting and his and his playmaking flashes and his role game and his interior finishing all of it is is really ideal for a modern complementary four. So yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's I think he definitely presents a really interesting compliment to, to Wendell especially, um, and I think he helps out definitely helps out a lot of the weaker defenders Chicago has at guard. You know, Kobe White and Zach Levine, he definitely covers for them. So I I definitely don't hate it. I, I prefer it to like if it was I prefer it to like a Denny pick, which I think was like long kind of telegraphed here and was often pre- predicted by many. Um, it, it it makes sense to me. Um, I, it's kind of shocking to see Patrick Williams' meteoric rise. Um, kind of finally come to fruition and, and turn out um, to, to be as massive as as it is, and he ends up number four, which is kind of kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see Pat Will as like a boomer bust player. I mean, I see him as like a really solid guy. Um, he he is, I, I think, going to be really solid if he's um, put in the right infrastructure and given the right kind of system to thrive. So it, it's a pick I understand. Like like Ricky said, a bit of a reach by, by our boards as well. But I mean, I, I do understand it. Though I would have made a different I- pick. I was going through the mock draft I did the day after the last draft, and uh, I had him at like 29 or 30 in there. I remember actually seeing him on the UIBL. I used to take one AAU trip a year. I actually interviewed him too, and I remember thinking, oh, this guy's going to be really interesting when he goes into school next year because he's huge and he's got some spot-up shooting ability and he looks like he could provide some defense. Never did I think he was going to be a top-five pick, though, at any point during the college season, at any point, you know, besides for really the last day or two. Uh, so it is a shocking rise for Pat Will, and I think, you know, the main thing is that rather than, like, try to project him within the Bulls' current uh, mix of young players, I think the Bulls are going to be making some big trades coming up in terms of, you know, packaging some of this old core to try to really turn over the roster for players that Karnaschovas prefers. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting point to, like, n- that you make, to, to not get caught up with, with Pat Will within the structure of the current roster. Um, because there could definitely be a lot of roster turnover in this, you know, this short off season, and even more tonight. Uh, you know, we're yet to see. Yeah, that I mean, it'll be a fascinating thing to track how how the the fit for Pat will develops there, because we we really we don't know um, we don't know what this new front office is is looking to build. We don't know what what, the, what this new coach is looking to. Uh, oh, we and have the Cavs got, pick. Got Cleveland. The Cleveland um, Cavaliers have selected. Isaac Okoro, which I think is a fantastic pick. Um, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit, but Isaac Okoro has officially been drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thank you so much, Ricky, for, for hopping on with us to talk Bulls. Um, the, the, the first big uh, shocker pick of the night. Uh, it was nice to have a, a Bulls expert on. Um... Let's talk about a Coro. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's the ideal pick for Cleveland. I 
I, I've said this for a long time. I think Okoro was the pick for Cleveland, um, and and they made I think the right pick here. Um, I think aside from the Lamelo, probably the best pick of the night to me. Um, just with with the way the Cavs have built their team, kind of erroneously with the the draft decisions and the free agency moves and the trades that they've made, they kind of just need um, some talent to slide in. Prefer like like on the wing is where they're really lacking with. A lot of their hot, you know, their best prospects at guard and Garland and Sexton and Kevin Porter Jr. A Coral gives them things that they don't have in really strong wing defense, especially on the ball. And he's already probably their best playmaking prospect on the, the easily the best playmaking prospect I think, if not one of their best passers on the roster already. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense because. You know, Okoro definitely lacks the spacing gravity um, with with his, you know, shot that isn't totally broken, but is certainly a weakness at this point, um, and kind of needs to, you know, be be, be used a little bit creatively um, to, you know, maximize himself as, as a cutter, as a slasher, with his elite first step and strength and, and, and ambidextrous finishing, and then that unlocks the playmaking as well. And then I think he defensively, you know, pretty ideal cover, uh, as a guy who can cover for... for we, do, we do have another oh, pick. Oh wow! Um, the Hawks are selecting on Yekta Kongwu at number six, which is really odd. Uh, we'll get to that later. Let's keep talking. Yeah. Coro. Um, so f- yeah, finish what you're saying. Yeah, I was gonna covers for Sexton and Garland beautifully. Um, not as good of a team defender as Vassell, but still, I think it'd be a very good one and just like a t- like a potential all defense level wing stopper with with his general tool. So I I absolutely love this pick. I think this is the pick I would have made if I had the choice of anybody, and I think you know just the right pick and a very good pick for their future and for their present and their, for their core synergy in general. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of this. Okoro was the first guy in my tier one B. Um, yeah, a unbelievable versatile wing defender. Uh, I think some two to four like real stopper equity. Just a guy who screens don't exist to him uh he shut down kyra lewis for an entire half he stonewalls people in the post um really incredible individual defender so much so that he has like a shutdown corner effect that people just don't want the ball to go anywhere near him yeah i mean that was his role at auburn like yeah meanwhile he is i think still a very very smart uh team defender he is a little limited there because he's not the longest player in the world so his his rim contests are not necessarily the most impactful but still really sound really smart uh and maybe with a with less of a shutdown corner role we'll see a little bit more of that transcendent team defense that we saw from him as a high school and aau and FIBA player um i think that's definitely possible and then offensively really interesting slashing prospect a guy who's on a huge uh development arc with his handle that it's just gone from incredibly mechanical um in in high school to to really like somewhat deceptive uh he's he's bursty he's vertically explosive and he's a highly skilled finisher ambidextrous incredibly well balanced unbelievably strong uh with really nice touch so great slashing prospect brilliant defender i think border- well, hold on a we have a, a pistons beat writer saying that they're targeting Killian Hayes with the seventh pick. So, oh, um, athletic, um, you know, not, not athletic, uh, Detroit Free Press um, beat writer for the Pistons is projecting Killian to the Pistons. So we've got another pick ahead. Both of us are going to be pretty ecstatic about that one for the Pistons. But we'll, we'll keep moving on with, um, with what we've been talking about as we are picks ahead now. So, uh, because I, yeah, so, yeah, I think we're pretty clear with the core being good. Yeah, back to Okoro. Um, 
I, I just wanted to add that he's also a borderline elite um, wing passer. Uh, and it just, it just comes together as an unconventional on-ball package, but one that I do think is pretty potent. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, as, a, as just a two-way player, uh, he's very, very interesting. Um, and I think that with, with the premium that should be placed on wings, uh, he's, he's, he's very valuable. Yeah. Uh, I think, we, yeah, Okoro is pretty simple. Both of us love the pick. Let's move on to a pick that I think both of us are going to like a little bit less. That's Onyeka Kongwu to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the first thing is the Hawks already rostered John Collins and Clint Capella. Oh, and, 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 and there's the Shams Killian. Killian so well exciting pick. We'll get into that in a bit. The, I wonder if this spells, um, something to do with um, a potential move um, of Collins or, or, or Capella because Bam, as you talked about, it, despite being six foot nine, is a true five. His biggest strength being you know, his coverage versatility on defense, being someone who can defend at the level of the screen, in the drop, on late switches, on hedges, on shows. He's, he's so great dictating offensive actions with his, with his, with his really quick hips and, and you know, ability to slide with smaller and quicker players and you know, get off the floor quickly for blocks with his length. That's where he really excels, um, and then offensively, he, he's going to excel as a role man with, with that with that same really quick leaping, um, some improved short roll passing, awesome touch. I'm very interested to see how he fits in with this this Hawks team, considering, like I said, they, they have John Collins and Clint Capella on the roster, who both I think are really best as fives. Um, so yeah, it's certainly I think the value is is okay. Like uh, I certainly don't mind this 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 range for Onyeka at all, but that's a that's a definitely an interesting selection given the, the, the kind of the positions they have on the roster. It's really odd. Odd um, is the right word, yeah. You, you'd have to think that there's another shoe to drop. Um, because I, I think maybe people will be wondering if Onyeka can play the four because he did play alongside Nick Rokosevich at USC. Onyeka is not a four in the NBA. He's a mobile five, but he is most certainly not a four. He's not even a, he's not even a switch everything five. Um, He's a very, very good center. Um, he's, he's incredibly quick off the ground, like you said. He is a coverage, versatile, pick-and-roll defender. Um, he's a smart player. He is an emerging passer on the, on the move, even. But this is odd. I, I, I'm not under, yeah. I don't understand what's going on. I feel like a trade has to be coming. I mean, one one would think one would think like that. It's just doesn't like like you can't obviously can't play all three of them at once. I don't even want to play two of Collins and Capella if I have to, especially because the Hawks have been investing in like lots of wing forward types, like with Herter and then Reddish and Hunter last year. Like it, it, it's kind of counterintuitive to what they've been doing. It's it, it's definitely a confusing pick, and I think probably likely to spell something to come because it just wouldn't make sense to go into the season with these three centers on that roster. Um, so yeah, I, I, d I don't know about this one. Yeah, I mean, if if Capella's gone, I guess that a, I mean, a Kongwu is a nice compliment to Trey Young. He's a really good role man, um, and will, will help to to cover up defensively. It's it's yeah. hard to know. Yeah, I think he's a better defensive prospect than Collins certainly long term. Um, yeah, but I still, mean, conceivably, like, they could be just taking a Kongwu and are intending to trade him. That's also possible. Yeah. Um, but I saw someone in the uh, Twitch chat say sign and trade with Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, maybe sign and trade a, a Kongwu. Well, I guess, yeah. I guess, yeah, because Atlanta has yeah has space, but they don't need to do that. I mean, they could no, sign yeah, Hayward. yeah. I mean, just, I'm just again echoing that maybe they could trade. I, I it, it doesn't make sense. Like. 
I mean, I guess uh, if you think he's the best player available, like by a decent amount, then I guess it's okay because just you know, taking best player available is generally a philosophy I, I subscribe to. Um, but especially in this draft, I think there's not even if you do, I, I there's just not enough of a gap between him and the other guys to take him over someone who would fit more cleanly not only in the short term but in the long term because you would think. Collins is part of their long-term plan. I mean, I, I guess he might not be. Um, maybe this is an, an indication that he's not, but it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense in the short or the long term. I but think. even even if Collins is not part of your plan, I mean, w- what's going on with Capella and and Akongwu? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you would think. I mean, all three of that. I mean, generally, you you only want, like really need one of those types. But man, that is that's really difficult. I don't know. That's tough. It's it, it's an interesting decision for sure, and not one that I'm a particularly big fan of. Yeah. So uh, why don't I we? Guess we'll, yeah, we'll reevaluate yeah, that when the when the next shoe drops. Let's yeah. Kill let's get into a pick that both of us are going to be really big fans of. The uh, the number one prospect on your board, Max. So why is Killian Hayes the top prospect on your board, and and why is this Detroit pick so good? Uh, Killian Hayes is an incredibly well-rounded ball handler prospect, initiator prospect. Um, he is a good advantage creator, I would say, not great. He wins through change of pace. He plays at a different speed from, from other guys. He wins through change of direction, where he's on an incredible athletic trajectory. Um, he just has gotten so sharp with that after being a guy who was not dynamic athletically at all in, in any way in the past. Um, his burst is, is getting better. He's not the slow guy that he used to be. Um, he's by no means blazing. Uh, he has made huge strides as a pull-up shooter. His his um his footwork as a as a pull-up shooter is pretty incredible. He is amazing generating space on his step backs. Uh, brilliant manipulator as a passer. Uh, brilliant vision picking out cutters on the move. Uh, and then he he you know at six five, and 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 quite strong and built. He has the the touch to play through contact, to stay balanced, to hit tough runners. Uh, it's just it's a unique brand of, of self creation and advantage creation, but it works for him. It's worked for other guys in the NBA. I think it can work. He's not going to be a thirty usage guy, but he can be that one B, that guy who's who's playing with the ball in his hands a fair amount. Uh, but it is not the only guy on a team. You're going to need someone else who can self create at a, at a high level with him. But on the other end, he brings you a really really valuable defensive guard. He is, for my money, the best or second best nail defender in the league, playing around the nail off the ball. He impacts so many drives with digs and stunts. Uh, he has amazing anticipation. He, he you know, can sniff out action before it, before it happens. Um, and then on the ball, he's made huge strides as well. He used to really not be able to get low in a stance and slide, and he's now quite, able, uh, quite capable of doing that and can really overwhelm opponents with his size and strength. Uh, so I, I really, really like Killian Hayes. I think he's going to be a very good two-way guard. I think he's going to surprise people from day one with his his um, his really uh, advanced passing reads. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Oh, Nick's Nick's pick is Obi Toppin. Oh man, man. Let, let's finish up with Killian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, Killian. Um, he is such an incredible fit. Um, again, the Pistons, like we talked about, 
Um, I mean, I mean, we outlined this, this exact scenario uh, on our pre-draft portion of the show. Um, Killian falling to the Pistons having being ideal. If they need some infusion of of creation talent in in their prospect pool, one of the bleakest um, asset asset pools in the entire league just got a lot brighter right now. Um, with Killian Hayes going to the going to the Pistons again, not someone who I think is your long term offensive engine, um, but he's someone who we talked about as an ideal secondary complementary guard with you know elite guard defense and the playmaking and the self creation and the ability to to improve his off ball game, which we think he's going to do once he's tailored to a more off ball role and learns how to play off ball in the future. And again, the Pistons are, Pistons are likely going to be in position to draft uh, draft pretty high next year. Um, with the the really high level prospects there as well, um, so yeah, I mean this is this is a spectacular pick. Um, I, it's probably the best pick of the night. Uh, at least it's up there. Really, really incredible pick by yeah. By the I Pistons. mean we had this as, we had this as our as both of our top plays in the draft. Was right was going to be Killian in this mid to late lottery range. Um, it's great. It's it's a great pick. Um, he I thought he was the best player in the draft. Uh, at the very least, in that top tier, and um, to get him at seven is an incredible value. You're not paying him number one pick money that you're not going to want to pay anyone in this draft. Um, it's great. It's it is a tremendous move by by Detroit. I'm I'm very curious to see what they do at 16, but uh, I think that they they just took a, an important step forward as a franchise. Yeah, the, this this is the first step to turning around the outlook for uh, for the Pistons. And again, re- really really excellent pick. All right, okay. so should we talk about our next pick here? Whew. Yeah, it's it's Obi time. Oh man, Obi Toppin um, slides a little bit to the New York Knicks. Um, man, um, I think this is kind of predictable. Um, Obi Toppin, a prospect who both of us are pretty low on. I'm a little higher than you, but this is this is not an ideal fit for Obi Toppin. I think Obi. First of all, um, is a really, really talented offensive big man. Um, fundamentally complementary, um, which is an issue long term because he's not a creator and the Knicks just need creators. But he is still a really great complementary big man. Awesome short roll decision maker out of the post, even off the even you know off of off of the dribble a little bit. An incredible roll man with with his vertical explosion with a runway, um, ambidextrous finishing touch, really great contortion. There's the the options are, are all there for him to be a really really effective complementary offensive player. The problem is the Knicks don't have anyone to unlock those complementary skills. Like he he is he is someone who needs a you know a guard who can distribute the ball to him and put him in situations to succeed. Um, uh, a guard who a guard who can you know has the pull up shooting gravity to open up roles and post up for top and. And I, I really worry about his offense development here in New York. That doesn't even mention the defense, um, where Obi is really, really going to struggle, I think, without a good compliment. I, I, I'm definitely a fan of Mitchell Robinson as a long-term defensive prospect, but he's got his issues now and certainly isn't good enough to cover for Obi, who is going to struggle defending on the uh, at the five because of his inability to move in the pick-and-roll, back, struggles backpedaling in drop, uh, moving in hedges, definitely switching. Um, he, he, his load leaping means he's not as an effective uh, rim protector as his vertical explosion might suggest, and his high center of gravity means he's going to struggle defending the post. So yeah, this is just, um, beyond it being a little bit of a reach by my value, I just really don't like the fit here. Um, I have a lot of issues with this pick. Yeah, I don't know how this works with Mitchell Robinson. Um, 
maybe they're not committed to Mitchell Robinson. I don't really know. Um, yeah, uh, Obi is a good offensive prospect. Uh, he is a he is a a great uh, complementary offensive prospect, even. Um, but you know, reliant on other people to create his offense for him. Um, he will be a very good role man. He'll be a very good short roll passer. He, I think, will be a good uh, big man as a, as a popper as well. Um, but he's not a hub. He's not a guy you play through. Um, and so there, there are distinct... Uh, there's a distinct ceiling to his offensive impact. And then on defense, it's it's just disastrous. Um, it's, it's really disastrous. He is unable to do as such simple things from a movement standpoint as as just stunt and recover and then I mean that doesn't even cover the fact that he can't really play any pick and roll coverage um so yeah it, it's it, it's tough I would not have taken OB that high uh I wouldn't have taken you know it's um it's tough that's a that's a tough pick uh, the fit is weird the the value to me is, is not there yeah, I mean um, that's just my worry with, with with Ob on a team like the Knicks. I like we talked about pre-show. Like if he landed on a roster with the offensive talent to maximize him, like a Dallas or like a Miami or something like that, then he could be really really successful as a complementary offensive big who you know maybe can even have some kind of impact in the playoffs. But yeah, with the Knicks, like I I, I do worry about the long-term upside, and I think the Knicks are, is is one of the worst landing spots for him in, in terms of um, you know fostering positive development. Um, I mean, at least he's going to get lots of opportunities to, you know, maybe be a creator and, and, and show what he can do with the ball because the Knicks are going to lose a lot of games and, and you know, have room and allow for Obi Toppin to just kind of do his thing. But, yeah, uh, not the best pick in the world. Yeah, it's just like not having that creator in place is really tough. It's just like who who is going to get Obi as offense. And we're now joined by by Jake Rosen, uh, draft draft expert and Knicks fan. Jake, how you feeling? Um, not good, as you guys can probably <laughs> imagine. Um, it's really weird draft night. I tried to stay off and not see any of the notifications. I was kind of stunned at the Patrick Williams pick at four and kind of knew that would shake the whole board up. And then once you started to see guys like Obi and Denny fall with Okoro and Okonku getting into the top six, and then, of course, Denver makes an A-plus pick with Killian Hayes at seven, I mean, I kind of knew where my fate was headed. Um, sound really defeated right now. Like, I don't really know what else to say. Like, yeah, yeah, I can hear the like, sadness in your voice. I, 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 se- I mean, and it's, it's just frustrating because I sent out a tweet before the draft basically outlining why the Knicks and Obi are an, a horrible match. And the crux of that is that understanding where Obi Toppin's value comes from. And a lot of that, you need to understand, we talked about you guys talk about situations and players being maximized or held back. Obi Toppin, we can all agree, offensively, he's an incredibly skilled player, physically gifted, all that. However, he was really maximized by Anthony Grant's incredible system, and they played a five-out offense. He had so much space to roll to the rim and got to show off his lob radius, his play finishing, and all above. Knicks don't have any space for him to roll to the rim. Mitchell Robinson, who Knicks fans absolutely adore and think is our greatest asset right now, which I probably agree to an extent, right now his offensive skill set consists of play finishing and only play finishing. So 
we're going to try to play an elite play finisher in Obi Toppin uh, alongside the, the Wizards. Robinson. Sorry to interrupt you, Jake. The Wizards are selecting Denny at number nine. Man, that must be nice. Yeah, we, um, we can get, you can get back to your Obi bit now, but we are trying. Yeah, we're trying and, to and basically, the, so basically the problem with Obi is just that he's going to be forced to the outside a little bit more than he, I'm a little comfortable with him being by him as a shooter to an extent. I think he's going to be salvageable there. I don't think he's going to be an elite stretch four by any means, but if we're looking at a pathway for him to really make an impact for this Knicks offense, that's where it's going to have to come from because those easy dunks and lanes to the rim to run, just they're not going to be there. And Julius Randle ran our offense last year. So what, we're going to run a Julius Randle and Obi Toppin pick and roll with oh, Mitch oh, Robinson in a dunker spot? Like, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. Wow, that's a horrible image in my head. Um, and it basically, it just again, I say, I'll say it time and time again. As a team with a team that lacks primary initiation, you probably shouldn't spend your top ten pick on a guy whose biggest asset is play finishing. And I don't want to seem like I'm diminishing Obi. He's incredibly skilled. He's a great passer, and I I think he's going to shoot. However. I'm so skeptical, and I haven't even said a word about his defense. Yeah, I mean, you're I generally a, a bigger Obi fan than I think Max and I are in a vacuum. I mean, oh, 100%. I mean, I look, he was still a top 10 guy to me, and I think the offense could be special enough where the defense is kind of worth it, and it's like you take it what, with, for what it is. Do I think he's ever going to be someone who's really conducive to winning? No, I don't. And the problem with the Knicks is. The idea for Obi, for me as a top 10 prospect, is the offense is going to be so good that the defense is going to be whatever. With the Knicks, his, the pathway for, to him achieving that level of offensive impact is so damn hard because he has to go through so many obstacles, whether it's lack of playmaking from other people, lack of spacing, lack of other people who are actually capable of garnering the defense's attention, which is going to lead him to have to create more off the bounce. like. There's just so many things that hinder his ability to be an offensive superstar. And if you're taking Obi Toppin in the top 10, that's what you're banking on, the offensive stardom. And I just really think this was a big misevaluation of an holistic team building and roster outlook process by the New York Knicks. Look, is there a chance Obi Toppin is just a flat out stud and I'm completely wrong and we're all completely wrong? Yes, there is. He's an extremely talented guy who has been on a very positive development trajectory with freak physical tool, vertical physical tools. But well, man, vertical in, in, in some settings. Yeah. Yes, vertical. When he has room in space. With a, with, with, a lane, with a lane to prepare and take off. Quick pop is not his strength. It will never be his strength. I'm a little bit more skeptical. Like people are saying, you can fix the defense. I actually don't think you can fix the defense because no, even can. if yeah, even if you miraculously fix his incredibly high center of gravity and very stiff hips, you still have ways to go with him as a team defender from an awareness yeah. standpoint. And that's something that gets yeah. underrated a lot is that the issue isn't just the slow hips or and it isn't just the awareness, it's both. And when you combine the two of those together with a big man prospect, it's just absolutely yeah. disastrous from a defensive projection standpoint. Yeah. I think the one silver lining I can think of is if they, assuming they are bad enough, and if they get someone like Cade next year, I think Obi provides a really great complimentary option to a future long-term ball handler. But but but, but even saying that, um, you know, it's still the pick is, is questionable at best, I think. Jake, do you want to stick around and talk a couple more picks with us? 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely down to talk a couple more picks. I mean, yeah, and the one thing I will say is like the Knicks are nowhere near done with their rebuild. And so the thing that bugs me the most is that we consider Mitchell Robinson a core piece, yet I don't really picture Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson working together in an effective manner on the offensive end. Like, could we get a lead guard next year and talk about something with OB and that lead guard and then maybe RJ Barrett as like a wing complimentary guy? Yes. Like, could we maybe talk ourselves into that? Maybe. But the problem is that I'm less high on Obi Toppin as a franchise cornerstone. And I'm even lower when you consider the context that he's going to get thrusted into on the New York Knicks. Yeah, Jake. For for your sake, I I'm hoping you guys get Kate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can... <laughs> yeah. Kate or or or, or Boston or somebody like that. Or should we move on to, to right, Denny right. to the Wizards? Yeah. So a, yeah. Let's yeah. Talk. So a Denny slide. Um. You know, I think many predicted him to go inside as like the top four. Um. I think the Bulls were pretty heavily linked to Denny. Um. I think four is a pretty decent nine is excuse me is a pretty good value for. Um, for Denny, so Max or Jake, uh, why don't you start off this one and talk about what you like about Denny or dislike about Denny to the Wizards? Sure, I mean Denny is a really, really good team defender, and this is a team that, that needs team defense. Um, he is not the most imposing physically, but he tries very hard and is intelligent and is skilled as as an interior help defender. Uh, that he he is good with verticality and he's very physical. Um, I think that he's just he's going to be valuable as a team defender. And then this is a spot where they've got two big-time creators in place. And that's where Denny is highly, highly additive. Um, that He brings so much value as a cutter that he, if he has the spot-up shooting, he'll bring a lot as a closeout attacker. Um, he'll be able to, to handle and transition. Um, he'll be able to, to um, you know, just make good decisions as, as a linking player. Um, so I think this makes a lot of sense at a place where, where they've already got creators in, in place. And I, I think that, that this is actually a pretty good outcome. Yeah. For I've got a little bit of worry yeah. about his, about the pairing with Rui. Um, I mean, but I do like this fit and, and, and value in landing spot a lot. Like, like this is not one I really envisioned, um, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's pretty good, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I have someone who's definitely higher on Denny. I think he finished sixth on my board. Like. This is not a fit I was thinking about at all. Um, I didn't think it was possible that he was going to fall this late, but we talked about some of the college guys getting picked earlier than expected, and I think this is a very good outcome for Denny and the Wizards. Uh, the Wizards, Max harped on it, basically the worst, one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen in my entire life, like regardless of basketball level last year. And when you get a guy like Denny who really takes pride in that side of the ball and is going to scrap from day one and play bigger than he is and you, is also very intelligent in help rotations, like Max said, great verticality, makes up for that, like, I don't know what wings, what is a wingspan is exactly, but it's not, not as the big as you would hope. Yeah, not the best, but makes up for it with great positioning, great instincts, great verticality. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I really am, and I think this is a place where he can – have his value early on as an off-the-ball offensive player, hopefully work out that catch-and-shoot jumper and make that consistent, again, bring value as a cutter, and then slowly ease into some half-court creation. Um, I think it's a great spot for him. There's no pressure. If we were talking about, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, maybe the Bulls, even Cavs, Detroit. Detroit, who, yeah. Yeah, any of them. Yeah, who, even who the Knicks. Like... Don't really have, 
Yeah, or even the Knicks. Yeah, 100% the Knicks, where he would have to be thrusted into this kind of point forward role, which I think we've seen him get overextended with uh, when in the professional levels. But I think the idea of playing alongside Wall and Beal and just kind of getting brought along a little bit, I, I think it's really good for both sides, honestly. Yeah, I think the the, the Wizards are, yeah, like you said, uh, I think this is like a really ideal, of avoiding the landing spot where he's going to really have any creation burden. Um, transition, off-ball playmaking, cutting, uh, all of that's going to be there for Denny. The Wizards are quietly building uh, a pretty a pretty intriguing group of wing forward prospects. Um, I know none of us are big Rui fans, but uh, you know now Denny, Isaac Bonga's flashed quite a bit. I think Troy Brown is is a pretty solid prospect as well. So so the, they're quietly building a pretty solid stash of young wings, and like like I'm very very happy. Um, and very okay with the idea of just stacking up on like these valuable wing forward archetypes because like eventually a couple of them are going to hit and you know with, with Denny is a really good prospect I think well um, you know I, I've got my concerns with Denny but I still have him top 10 at the back end I know Max has him in the lottery as well still you know still like Denny like Bonga and Troy Brown some so I mean I think there's like just getting so many wings and forwards hoping one of them hits I mean this is a really good pick for them I mean I I am definitely kind of surprised at this landing spot I'm surprised at this at this at this team taking him, but but really really good. Yeah, and I, also I'm what I'm pleasantly surprised is like none of us are none of us are big Rui guys. I, I like definitely we're on the same page there. However, if Rui is going to be able to score the ball like like he did flash in his rookie season, look, I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know what the efficiency is going to look like. I'm not super optimistic about it. But is there a chance that he's Kind of this really good wing scorer maybe his deficiencies will always be the tunnel vision and the lack of awareness and all those things that he really struggled with as a prospect and as a rookie but when you really think about like the yin and yang between what denny struggles with versus what Rui struggles with and like if they kind of both hit somewhat of a high outcome with their developmental trajectory kind of them as those two playing off of each other like i think washington might be onto something here honestly yeah it's not bad at all